welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on, stoning Stephen, as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. That's Acts seven fifty-one to 60. A good day. This is a podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris. I am joined as ever by Dr. Joe Boot. And we are here. Uh, regular listeners will know that uh, we're in the midst of a series on the Ten Commandments. We're taking a, a short break from that uh, for this week. And we're, uh, we're going to address the, uh, the situations surrounding uh, the shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, and the questions that uh, that, that tragedy raises uh, with regards to a, uh, a, the growing uh, de-Christianizing of culture, uh, the question of why children have been targeted, and uh, the broader questions of Christian martyrdom and the meaning of death and resurrection in the, in a biblical worldview. So, Joe, it's uh, it's good to to be together again, and we're uh, well. Hope hopefully we can we can do some some justice and some clarity and uh, and properly deal with uh, with this tragedy. So we we do not have uh, sitting uh, from where or where we sit. We don't have special insight into the details of uh, of this event. Uh, all of the details are, are coming out on multiple news outlets. Uh, as uh, as is public knowledge, the Covenant School uh, is a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church, and it was about a week ago that a a 28 year old former student uh, took uh, took weapons, uh, shot her way into that school. Uh, shot uh, three nine-year-old students and three uh, three staff members, and it uh, it, it should be said uh, right at the outset that uh, that our our prayers, our sympathies, our uh, all of our affection is going out to uh, to the the community at uh, at Covenant Presbyterian and the Covenant School. Uh, we uh, we know. Some some of the people in that uh, in that community, and and it's a uh, it is hard to hard to deal with, hard to uh, hard to know, hard to confront. But we are uh, we are praying for you, and I hope that uh, that we can uh, 
we can make some make some sense and br- bring some some biblical insight into this situation for uh, for those of us those of you listening. So, Joe, I wanted to uh, I wanted to start here with a uh, maybe a broader issue or a, a broader phenomenon that uh, that this this incident is representative of, and that is the uh, the ongoing dechristianization of culture, uh, which leads to uh, le- leads to persecution of an ideological nature. And thinking, uh, thinking specifically, like last year, uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, experienced an, an assassination attempt by a, uh, a trans ideologue, and we do we know that uh, this uh, this shooter identified as trans that they had written. We have not seen it yet, but they had written a detailed manifesto of sort of how how they identified why they were planning to do this uh, this deed that it was that it was closely and intricately and tightly planned uh, for months before it was actually carried out um, I guess may, may just uh, just fill it fill in what it is we're experiencing at a uh, a cultural ideological level mm-hmm well, as you said, Ryan, we are sort of no more in the light in terms of some of the details than than many of our listeners will be if they've reviewed the various articles on uh, this incident on both sides of the pond, actually, in, in Europe, in the UK, and in um, North America, in the US and, and Canada. Um, and not mm. all of the details have been released yet in terms of some of the um, the the more uh, minute details within the the manifesto but uh the 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 the, what is absolutely clear is that uh three members of staff in that school um and three children were were killed and and we would say they were martyred Hmm. um and we that um that expression um, might seem unusual or certainly to us in the West seems shocking because we um, are not accustomed to thinking about martyrdom as something that is current in the West. We familiar with the Fox's Book of Martyrs and uh, stories of martyrdom from around the world uh, in the 20th century and 21st century, but, but not in, in the West. So I did want to say that first, that we view this incident, we'll come to martyrdom in a moment, but we we view this incident um, as an act of evil, of wickedness, mm-hmm. and involving the martyrdom of three children and three uh, members of the staff of that school, in, including the headmistress. We'll come back to her um, shortly. But in terms of the ideological environment, we are dealing with uh, almost, um, well, certainly we're, we're in, for the West, we're in uh, un-sort-of-precedented territory here. 
we're 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 dealing with what has arisen fairly rapidly in historical terms, ideologically, an ideological movement that is proving itself proving itself to be increasingly aggressive, increasingly militant, um, and sadly increasingly violent. Now you mentioned last fall there was the attempted murder of. Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice in America, following the Roe v. Wade decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was somebody who I, I identified as um, a, a trans gamer girl, I believe. Um, That's right. And then we have another uh, incident now, uh, which I think the first incident, there were five uh, deaths. Um, sorry, I beg your pardon. The the uh, Brett Kav- the attempted assassination on Brett Kavanaugh, of course, was not ex- was not successful. But there was a later incident yeah. in the U.S. I think it was in Colorado at a, a nightclub of some sort, in which there were five deaths. And again, mm-hmm. that involved somebody identifying with that community. And uh, despite what had just happened in Tennessee on the weekend, this is the weekend just gone. There was a Trans Day of Vengeance. That's right. Uh, hosted, I think it was in New York. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the the the, uh, the 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 Trans Day of Vengeance was held in New York. And actually, I watched an interesting uh, piece by Tucker Carlson a few days ago, in which he was talking about the some of these movements now, these uh, LGBTQ associated movements, uh, trans movements, calling for. Um, arms making overt calls for 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 um gathering guns and um being ready to defend oneself and so on now i think there is uh, a there is a very clear link between um these uh, these events in that it represents the 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 expression of anger resentment uh, hatred, but directed in particular towards Christianity and Christians, and of course, this is the the nature of uh, anti-Christian uh, ideologies, uh, uh, ideologies that are that directly, in a certain sense, are mirror images. Uh, they they are almost an opposite. They offer a polar opposite view of reality. And so the antagonism is then set up. Now, of course, the Christian world and life view and the, uh, the Bible, as you've read from uh, the book of Acts, really tells us how Christians are to respond in these sorts of uh, situations. And the attitude that we see the, of, of, of Christ and the apostles to, toward antagonism is peaceableness, Love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, Jesus says. Uh, We can differ, we can prophetically speak truth in love into the culture, as we seek to do as believers for the good of our neighbor and for the glory of God. Um, But the, uh, the Christian, in the face of this kind of antagonism, does not respond in kind. Uh... But we are we are now facing um, uh, an ideological movement. There is a I, I think the, the clearest link between the, the Kavanaugh attempted assassination and this massacre in the school uh, is that 
the ideology uh, behind it um, is absolutely anti the family and uh, well, implicitly is the destruction of the family, actually, and therefore implies the destruction of children as well. And uh, we're seeing that. The, 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 the goal of, of uh, this ideological movement, it's a kind of a death cult uh, because it's anti-life. That's why mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, the abortion issue uh, is so central. That's why the attempt on Kavanaugh was related to that. Um, because that's part of an anti-family, anti-life, anti-children uh, uh, movement as well. The killing of the unborn, the murder of the unborn is part of the same spirit. Um, but obviously this, this, um, this ideological movement based on a, of course, philosophically, we can talk about critical theory, um, but fundamentally uh, it's anti-fertility, it's anti-marriage. Uh, these sexual relationships uh, aren't reproductive. And so we, we're talking about a movement that is hostile to, to the basic building block of Christian society, which is uh, the male and female distinction that God gives to us in the book of Genesis and Genesis 1 and 2, and the basic structure of the family and the, the structure of marriage that's authoritatively defined by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, quoting from Genesis 1 and 2. And... Uh, it's about multiplication. It's about the shaping of life uh, and of creation to to the glory of God. And this movement is utterly opposed uh, to those things. It's opposed to mm-hmm. uh, the biblical view of reality. It's opposed to God's idea of male and female. It's opposed to the biblical idea of marriage. And so I think um, this will have been a bit of a wake-up shock to some people, that this movement isn't just about uh, the, and has never been just about, so-called equal rights in the law. As it was, we were initially told these movements were simply about, uh, you know, permission within law to practice certain forms of behavior. Um, It is very swiftly, over a period of about 40 or 50 years now, um, gotten to the point where unless uh, you celebrate uh, with them, promote and celebrate with them uh, this ideological agenda, this destruction of family, of marriage, unless you are an ally, um, unless you are with them it's a real sort of you know if you're not for me if you're not um uh with me or against me kind of a motif then you are set for cancellation and you you will be you will be cancelled you will be ostracized you will be silenced um you will be uh, marginalized you will be persecuted you may lose your job uh you may uh, lose your position you will be uh, torn to shreds in social media um, and you might even now experience the ultimate cancellation of all, and that's the loss of your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this day of vengeance, this increasingly militant, aggressive sort of call to arms, 
um, uh, from some of the most uh, aggressive ideological actors within this movement to sort of rise up in this kind of militancy and to even use expressions like day, you know, the day of trans vengeance or trans day of vengeance and the insensitivity of carrying on with something like that after this, uh, this killing. Um, and of course we saw certain media outlets, including CTV and ABC, uh, practically justifying what was done, um, or excusing it, uh, in the name of so-called, you know, anti-trans, uh, sentiments, um, within the culture or, uh, mm. because of laws within Tennessee that are prohibiting the mutilation of children um, uh, and their their genitalia in, in service mm. to this ideology, um, that th- these were used as reasons. Of course, they call it, you know, um, uh, gender care or whatever else, uh, medically, these euphemisms <laughs> for sex change <laughs> surgery and, uh, and the use of chemicals and, and drugs to, uh, to, and hormones to alter... Uh, people's bodies um but if there's a law against that then well that ex- that is implicitly used as the excuse for this sort of behavior so i know i've said a lot to to to, to answer that sort of opening question just about the ideology and I, I do want to come back to the issue of children in a moment but um but i do think that this is a this is a shock to to to, to many people who have assumed that this movement is essentially benign that it's just about people being allowed to do what they want to do sexually. No, it's not, and it's mm-hmm. never been just about that. From the time of the beginnings of decriminalization of homosexual behavior in the late 1960s in the West, in Canada, United States, and Britain, uh, when that change began to take place uh, as a culmination of the sexual revolution, we've seen an endless litany of demands uh, within um, the law and within society. Um, and it's not just been about inheritance rights or civil partnership rights or even now marriage rights. Those have all been uh, so-called marriage. Uh, these have all been given and granted. The issue now is that there cannot be allowed to be, there must not be any organizations, any churches, any areas of society that do not that that are that are unsubmissive to this ideological cult they cannot be allowed to be there they must celebrate if they don't they are haters if they if they don't they are they are transphobes if they don't celebrate and support this ideological uh, claim to be able to me re- remake reality remake gender remake biology remake uh, the idea of marriage, if you do not support this, if you do not implicitly or explicitly celebrate it, if you in any way stand in the way of it, uh, you are to be one way or another, whether it's your job or your livelihood or your reputation, um, you are to be cancelled and destroyed. And mm-hmm. um, that's where we have come to. And I see the the attack on, on, on Brett Kavanaugh in the last fall and then this this premeditated, planned, um, manifesto-backed attack on this evangelical Christian school, uh, which this uh, woman, um, Audrey, I believe her name is, Audrey Hale. um, Mm, I think that's right. uh, 
who 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 attacked this school i think she was an alumni of the school of course many years prior uh, uh this is a this is a sort of a, a culminating event it's it's this venting of of rage and anger upon a a christian uh community i mean when have you heard ryan of a are you aware of a pastor um or a uh, or or a Christian leader carrying out these sorts of violent attacks on those who oppose them within the uh, the LG the so-called LGBTQ uh, community. That is not the way that uh, Christians behave, and it comes down to now a question of what kind of a society people actually want to live in. This this ideology is becoming ever more militant, aggressive, outspoken, and uh, of course, we're not suggesting that everybody within it would have carried out something like this, but this is what uh, it is encouraging. It's fostering this kind of an animosity, and um, it's a this is a this is a tipping point moment. This is a uh, this is a wake up moment in the West to what is actually taking place. It's uh, it's interesting. You just mentioned this this question that we are always in the process of answering in one way or another what kind of society do we want to live in and one of the uh, I think one of the things that uh, that your analysis has been uh, presuming and working from but uh, not uh, not it's worth stating outright is that uh, this, this is a question uh, as we talk about elsewhere of uh, the inescapability of religion a question of what what we love and what we uh, worship and it's a, it's an inescapable concept. Everyone has a religion. Everyone loves and worships something or other. And depend, you know, depending on the uh, so the dictates and the nature of that thing that you worship, pe- people have always been willing um, to fight, to die, to kill, to go to war f- uh, for the things that they love most, and. As we uh, as we encourage and uh, persist in this this culture, this society of narcissism, of self love, uh, it's uh, I guess it's it's a natural outflowing that uh, that we'll see these kinds of uh, these kinds of incidents. But uh, yes, oh, go the, ahead. The Christian, yeah, the Christian gospel uh calls upon us to to love god with heart mind soul and strength and to 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 love our neighbor to acknowledge and recognize our our sin and our guilt before a holy god uh to humble ourselves before a holy god and submit to the call of the gospel to repent and put our faith and our trust in the lord jesus christ who is the sin bearer who went to the cross and bore the penalty, bore the wrath of God upon himself, and love and justice, love and mercy um, uh, met at the cross. The mercy of God and the justice of God came together there at the cross, and it's it's offered to all. Um, it's free, but it's not cheap. And entry into this kingdom of freedom um, requires bowing down, Mm-hmm. And that goes against the 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 inclination of human beings. Instead of recognizing that we are creatures of God, we're made by Him as to be His image bearers. 
uh, and that we are bound by his law word. Uh, we want to be a law to ourselves. We want to be autonomous. That's the basic religious commitment that you're talking about. Um, we want to deny the sovereignty of God and transfer sovereignty to man. And we want to, to deny creation itself to God, really, and be the creators of our own reality. So fundamentally, this is, uh, once again, an issue of worship uh, and uh, true worship and, and idolatry. And this was a relatively small school, Ryan, of about 200 students, uh, mm -hmm. a small staff, uh, children who are worshippers of the living God, staff who are worshippers of the living God. And um, it struck me when I was thinking about what had taken place and you, and you kind of grapple with why on earth would somebody, even with this kind of ideological agenda, even with this kind of rage, why, why yeah. would they actually target, target infants? Why would they target children? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if, you know, there's a, there's a sense in which you think if somebody is going to um, try and make their point uh, in this kind of wicked and evil way, they wouldn't be so debauched as to say, well, I'm going to target the, the, the youngest, the most vulnerable, the most innocent. But this is, this is part of what happened here. That's and right. um, I was thinking about that, especially, especially in relation to what we were saying earlier about the implicit hostility of this ideology to children, to family. Um, and I was thinking about Psalm 8, where the, the scripture says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. So this is about the worship of God. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained mm. strength because of your enemies, that you yeah. may silence the enemy and the avenger. So there's something very important in scripture about the praise of, um, of the young, of children, of little ones, and that mm -hmm. God, it, it, the, the, the little ones are the reservoir out of strength, of strength that God is establishing because of his opponents, because of his enemies, that this is, it's, it's out of the mouths of the young that God, God has ordained both strength and praise. And that is why children are a heritage from the Lord. So if you have, if that's Christ's agenda, if you have a, the spirit of antichrist at work, then it is going to target children. Um, uh, this is expressed in the abortion industry, but it's also now being expressed in this anti-marriage, anti-family ideological cult that is so radically yeah. anti-child. And uh, so there were there were children here who were martyred as as well as adults, and the the targeting of the children is absolutely related to this issue of worship and the shape of the future. And, and what it's going to going to look like. Yeah. Joe, in your uh, some of your initial comments, uh, you mentioned, uh, and then we, we read from Acts 7, uh, the, the martyrdom of Stephen. Uh, you mentioned that you, we would consider this, uh, this act an act of martyrdom. Can you, uh, th this is, 
this, the language of martyrdom is familiar to uh, to most Christians, but it's not it's not always agreed or assumed uh, what that what that category entails. Can you just say more about uh, why uh, why this why this case would be a case of martyrdom? Yes. The the martyr is is somebody who was who has been killed, uh, whose life has been taken from them in the course of their faithful witness um, for the gospel. Uh, so the martyr is one who is you know is not this this is different from um, political prisoners who who, who have died for uh, we may be grateful and thankful for. Uh, those who have fought for liberties or freedoms and been and died as political prisoners, but but that isn't from a Christian standpoint martyrdom. The, right. the martyr is one who, in the uh, taking up of their cross and following Christ, has been killed in the cause of and in pursuit of the cause of the gospel um, of testimony testimony to Christ. They've died because ultimately of their testimony for Christ. And so the reason that this incident is actually a case of, of Christian martyrdom is that this was the targeting of a Christian school because of its Christian mm. identity. It's faithful, yep. evangelical, orthodox Christian identity. Uh, it's witness for the truth about Christ. Uh, Otherwise, the target there would have been softer targets, easier targets. If it's somebody just going on a, a shooting rampage to make a point, or because they want to go out in a blaze of hatred, uh, you don't need to go through the meticulous issue of planning and monitoring. Even I believe that in this instance, even surveillance was 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 conducted on the school in order that the attack might yes. be successful. So this is a Christian community, a small Christian community that has been targeted because of its testimony for Christ by a hateful ideology that has an antichrist spirit. Uh, it is it is fundamentally antichrist, and therefore it has targeted this uh, this Christian community and has taken the lives of these people. And in particular, if you look, for example, at um, the actions of Catherine Kuntz, the headmistress, uh, yeah. who I believe was uh, only 60 years old. I think I have it in my, my notes here somewhere. Um, yes. Um, at the Covenant School there, she apparently was on a, a Zoom call when she heard the shots. And instead of hiding, instead of cowering, uh, instead of hiding in a closet somewhere, she rushed out of her room towards the shooter to confront the shooter. Mm -hmm. And apparently some kind of confrontation happened and she was killed. So to defend the lives of these children, um, this woman is executed. Now that is martyrdom. She is a Christian defending Christian children who are being attacked because it's a Christian community. And that, and that, is, that is the nature of, of martyrdom. Um, it's, um, it's very interesting when you look at the beginnings of this, uh, spirit as it emerges, even in the life of the apostles, as they begin to see the opposition in the life, actually, even in, during the ministry of the Lord Jesus, 
and I was thinking and reflecting on the the life of Lazarus, uh, which is hmm. detailed for us in um, in the Gospel of John, or some of the details are given to us in the Gospel of John. And I was thinking about John twelve. Lazarus, of course, is famous because he was uh, resurrected uh, from the grave, having been in the grave and decomposing several days. He is raised by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know from the account that um, at the raising of Lazarus that it was after this that the authorities began to, um, despite witnessing the miracle, began to plot how they might kill Jesus. Yeah. So the the first target is Jesus himself, the Christ, for the crime of ch- uh, turning death into life. For for resurrection, life, and power, for the gift of new mm. life, um, there is a plot to kill Jesus. Uh, and that is the spirit of Antichrist. But very interestingly, in John 12, we read this. And this is the in the account in John 12 of the anointing at Bethany when Jesus' feet uh, are anointed by Mary with the a costly ointment, and she wipes them with her mm. hair. Uh, but we're then told, now a great many, this is verse 9, of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only. So they knew that Jesus was there, but they came not for his sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So initially you might think, well, that's interesting. Of course, who wouldn't want to see the man that had been raised from the dead? Then verse 10 says, but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. What was Lazarus's crime? Lazarus's crime was being helped by Jesus. (laughs) Think about that. Mm -hmm. His crime was being helped by the Lord. His crime was being raised from death to life by the Lord. Now, what does scripture say of the believer? that we were once dead in our trespasses and in our sins, but we've been made alive through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that spirit that it's at work in the children of disobedience, that satanic, that demonic urge, that demonic spirit that is functioning within all kinds of ideologies in the world, and this is one that's become uh, very virulent. There are spiritual powers behind this uh, that are, that are influencing this. And, um, it's a spirit of antichrist. It's the spirit that's at work in the children of disobedience. And it's not just targeted at Christ. It's targeted at those who have been helped by Christ. It's targeted at those who are, have been made new by the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been raised, transferred from death to life. It wasn't just Jesus they wanted to kill. It was Lazarus they wanted to kill as well because of the effect of Lazarus' life. And that is what drives um, the Antichrist spirit that leads to, uh, to martyrdom. To those who are, who are hostile to Christ uh, is that they become hostile to those who follow Christ, who have allowed themselves to be helped by Christ, who have been transferred from death to life by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many Christians mm. around the world in parts of the Islamic world, parts of the communist world, will uh, have looked at this. 
and will be grieved and will recognize it for what it is, martyrdom and the persecution of Christians. I think mm. uh, what is what is startling for us in the West is that now this is no longer simply about praying for those being martyred in uh, parts of the Islamic world, parts of the communist atheistic world, the Marxist cultures, but right now here in uh, what was Christendom, with the de-christening, the de-christening of our culture, uh, mm. that we are now seeing this um, arising. And um, I don't think it's going to be the last of these sorts of incidents, um, this desire to cancel. It starts, uh, it, it, as, we, as I said before, th these things start as though they are benign. They look initially benign. It's very clever. It's very subtle. It's just about freedom to do what we want to do in the law. It's just about having a, an equal right here or an equal right there. Then it becomes a demand that everybody recognize those rights. Then it becomes an insistence that everybody celebrate those rights. Then it becomes uh, a, a vociferous and vicious demand that anybody who doesn't celebrate those rights be punished. And it's beginning to move into a... a a, a violent stage now. Um, and uh, I don't think we've seen the last of this. This already isn't an isolated incident. We've already mentioned three on this program that have taken place right. in the last uh, 12 months or so. Um, but this is something that Christians are going to have to be aware of. I mean, for us, even as a ministry, we have a U.S. office in Tennessee, um, mm -hmm. not far down the road there from, from Nashville, which is why you mentioned that the, we, we have friends in this um, Christian community of Tennessee and the Nashville area. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a situation increasingly where it's not just people's jobs, not just people's livelihoods, not just people's reputations uh, and so forth that are on the line, um, but in, increasingly people's safety. And um, that that is something that Christians need to be aware of, and we need to be aware of the the character of what is confronting us. Um, for a long right. time, we were uh, Christians were um, ambivalent about um, the nature of Marxism and uh, the the threat that it may have represented. Ambivalent about fascism, national socialism, and the threat that it, it that it represented of Islamization and the threat that it represented. And now um, this radical ideological um, uh, sexual movement um, that really is, a, I think, a, an expression of critical theory, a cultural Marxism. Um, it's, a, it's a particular virulent form of it um, is being stirred up increasingly towards uh, acts of violence, um, if not just legal terror, um, using the law to terrorize people, um, physical terror as well. And in this instance, people have actually paid with their lives. And so mm -hmm. we need to be in prayer about this as a Christian community. We need to be engaging in um, a Christian cultural apologetic, of course, uh, to address the issue. Um, and uh, we need to be uh, increasingly safety conscious as well and security conscious in our places of worship, in our places of education, mm. just as they've had to be for a long time in the Marxist world and the Islamic world. Yeah. Yeah, very good. 
Joe, one of the uh, one of the last things that uh, I wanted to to touch on here, uh, we've spoken of martyrdom. We've spoken of the worldview that uh, that drives someone uh, to uh, to take this kind of drastic and murderous action. Uh, let's uh, let's just talk about uh, a biblical worldview and its attitude and its uh, the meaning that uh, that death and resurrection find. In, in biblical faith and in a biblical worldview? Yes, well, Scripture says that uh, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right. Uh, he is the father of lies. That's what Jesus called him, the father of all lies, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, in the same verse there in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and mm. life in all its fullness. So there you have a contrasting um, a perspective, uh, a satanic perspective, which is based in lies. And Jesus says that the devil was a liar from the beginning. That is right back there in the garden when yep. male and female was established, when marriage was established, when God's order was established. Satan was there lying as the father of all lies. Now, this whole trans movement, this whole LGBTQ ideological movement, it's at this neo-Marxist, culturally Marxist, critical theory, this, this, this ideological vision that, is, that has taken root um, is a lie. It's a lie. And its root is in the father of all lies. And mm. um, lies must be resisted. We cannot live by lies. And the goal of these lies that, that are anti-Christian in their character is to steal, is to kill, is to destroy. To destroy life, to destroy family, to destroy marriage, yeah. to destroy children, uh, to indoctrinate children, destroy them, throw them towards ruin, scandalizo, Jesus called it. To, to, he said it would be better yeah. that a millstone be tied around your neck and you'd be thrown into the sea than... Then you, then you cause any one of these little ones who believes in me to, to be scandalized, yeah. to be thrown towards ruin. So the contrast is really between, is between life and death, between truth and lies. And the culmination of the life uh, and the truth that is in Jesus Christ is resurrection. I've already mentioned the story of Lazarus. And of course, uh, in that account of, of Lazarus and the Lord Jesus, Jesus declares himself to be the resurrection and the life. And, uh, of course, um, the relatives of, of Lazarus there, um, Mary, um, says to uh, Jesus, um, yes, I know that he will be raised at the last. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. So Jesus mm -hmm. Christ claimed to be the very source and root of all life. That, uh, that, that Christ Jesus is to be in him, is to participate in resurrection life. So if anyone is in Christ, Scripture says, he is a new creature. So death and darkness are the polar opposite of the Christian view of life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the way that the Bible views death fundamentally is as a curse and as the last enemy 
that is to be defeated. Death is a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the psalmist says, you know, in, in Sheol, Lord, in, in the place of the dead, who can praise you? Yeah. Um, so let me live. I want to live in order to praise you and glorify you and worship you. So the difference between the, one of the differences between the pagan and the Christian view of reality is that Christianity never um, romanticizes or rejoices in death. Death is an enemy. Death is a curse. When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't say, wonderful, he's gone to a better place. Let's have a praise meeting. Didn't say that. Yeah. Actually, Jesus, it says, was was grieved and angry in his heart. He 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 was grieved in his soul and he wept. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Mm. that is the christian encounter with death it is it is grief it's anger it's weeping because death is the wages of sin is death it's not blessed release into nirvana or some uh, uh unconscious state as in buddhism it's not emerge it's not to to, to merge with the one of brahmin it's not to to fly off into a into a, a sort of pseudo pagan Elysium with seventy virgins in the Islamic doctrine, um, where you can participate in all the things you weren't allowed to have on Earth. Um, it it is not the 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 ideal of suicide as with the pagan Greek philosophers, the nobility of suicide. No, death is an enemy. Life is to be cherished. You mm-hmm. shall not murder. You shall not take life. We were dealing with this as we've dealt with the commandments, the sanctity of human life, the protection of life. Um, The the very word salvation, salve, means wholeness, healing. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 The Christian story is one of restoration. Is there no balm in Gilead? It's healing, renewal, and resurrection life. So death, Paul says, is the last enemy that's going to be defeated. And Christ went to the cross to defeat the power of sin and death. And he demonstrated in his life with the resurrection of Lazarus and with uh, another example would be the resurrection of the little girl, Jairus's daughter, his power over death itself. Now, there's a clue in the scripture, actually, the nature of death that you've read Uh, to us already, Ryan, in the martyrdom of Stephen, which ends in that most Mm. remarkable way where you've got Stephen um, uh, imitating, emulating the Lord, when as he is being stoned, he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And he says he knelt down and he fell asleep. And um, you get the same image image of, of, of sleep in the story of Jairus's daughter. So the image, the metaphor that we're given um, in scripture for those who are asleep in the Lord uh, are those who need to be woken up. Uh, the Bible, as you know, is is basically silent about the intermediate state. And this podcast is not a discussion of the, of, you know, exactly, uh, it's a more lengthy discussion, what happens when the Christian uh, dies, um, and they are awaiting 
the day of resurrection, because Paul says in Romans 8 that, that the creation itself is groaning, awaiting our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So creation itself is awaiting that renewal, groaning. What we do know, Scripture says, is that uh, we, are, 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 we have died as Christians and our life is here now together with Christ in God. And that's why Paul could say absent from the body, present with the Lord. We're not told what that means. We're not given a description of what it means, but we are given this metaphor of falling asleep in the Lord, resting in the Lord as we await uh, resurrection. But it is not viewed as blessed release in the Bible. Its death is not viewed as um, any sort of romantic ideal, something to be looked for or yearned for. Uh, it is a curse. It is a cause of, if it was a cause of sorrow and grief and anger and weeping for the Lord Jesus, how much more for us? And mm -hmm. and and our mm -hmm. and our sorrow and our weeping and our grief today should be for these victims of the of this evil murder uh, of three children and three members of staff at this school in Tennessee. It is a horror. It is terrible. It is wicked. It is evil. People's lives have been unjustly taken from them. And God will judge. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And he will do right. And he will bring all things into judgment. And so whilst at a funeral, we thank God for the lives of those he has given to be part of our lives and to enrich our lives and to bless us. Uh, a funeral is not a celebration of death. Right. No, a funeral is a, is a recognition, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, dust you were, you are to dust, you shall return. Um, uh, uh, the, a man's life is, is, is transitory, it's short and filled with sorrow, filled with grief. When Pharaoh asked Jacob as he arrived in Egypt, how old are you? He said, my years have been many and filled with grief, filled with death. Mm -hmm. He thought yeah. he'd lost Joseph. Yeah. Um, and so we, the Christians should never minimize or mitigate the, the, the enemy of death itself. It is an enemy. It took Jesus Christ to the cross to defeat it. Yeah. And yet Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And our destiny is resurrection life in a renewed creation. And so we are not those, Paul says, who grieve without hope. We are not those who are who who weep without hope. Um, but we are those who have hope because uh, Christ has died. Christ is risen and Christ will come again, as we say in the uh, the Anglican liturgy. Yeah, uh, that the we, we, we don't mourn, we don't grieve as those who have no hope because we have the reality, the unshakable hope of resurrection life in Christ. And that's why the Christian is prepared, if necessary, for their witness to Christ to lead to their martyrdom. The Christian is ready to say with Paul, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We don't look for death. We don't want death. We don't seek martyrdom. We don't seek the loss of our lives or the loss of the, the lives of those believers around us. Um, we love life and we want to, to live to praise and glorify God and to um, apply 
his word to all of life and rejoice in life, as the as Ecclesiastes says, to celebrate the goodness of life and the blessing of our lives and to regard death with the horror with which it should be regarded. But because of Christ, because he is resurrection, life and power, we have an unshakable and eternal hope. And that means we are ready to lay down our lives. And when um, in martyrdom for the cause of the gospel, if that is finally what our witness comes to. And that's why when this incident happened and I saw this awful story of the tragedy of this this dear headmistress, by all accounts, a wonderful woman who the, 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 the parents say was a saint in her love of the children and a sacrificial service to those children in that school, that I tweeted out the words of our Lord. Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their lives for their friends. Or as the King James puts mm. it, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And right. uh, this is what these staff members have actually done. And so uh, we do not grieve as those without hope, but we do grieve. And um, we look for the unassailable and unshakable hope and certainty of the resurrection when we shall be reunited uh, with all of these people, including these these dear ones who've been lost in Tennessee, uh, when we come together uh, for the marriage supper of the Lamb and Mm -hmm. the reality of the renewed creation when the judge of all the earth will do that which is right. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to close uh, this episode just a little bit differently than we normally do. I'm going to read read some words from a uh, a pastor's blog, a pastor by the name of George Grant, uh, who is known to us here at the Ezra Institute. We've we've published some of his material in the past, but he's a uh, he's a faithful pastor uh, in the same denomination uh, in nearby Franklin, Tennessee. And his his friend and co-pastor's daughter was one of the uh, one of the children who was killed in the shooting. But I want to read uh, and close with his words. He writes, "We need not lean on platitudes or empty phrases. For ours is the sure and certain promise that He will turn our mourning into dancing. He will loose our sackcloth and clothe us with gladness. Ours is the promise of light and life, dispelling darkness and death." All of us are heartsick over the horror our brothers and sisters at Covenant and throughout Middle Tennessee are enduring. All of us are praying for comforts and consolation that can only come from the treasure house of God's grace. All of us find ourselves laying hold of the very great and precious promises of the gospel for them and for ourselves. And uh, and he closes uh, with a scripture that I'm going to close with here from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered and set me free. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. Amen. Amen. We'll close with that. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute, and we'll look forward to being with you again next week. May God bless you.